probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Spencer Perry, associate editor at ComingSoon.net. So, we've, we've escaped the dog kennel, and we're now in uh, minute 34 of The Thing, which covers the beginning is dawn at the camp. We kind of see it from the outside, and then a minute later ends with... Uh, Blair continuing to pull the skin completely off of this, the the kind of I guess the skeleton of the uh, of the dog thing that they've pulled out of the kennel. So this is one of many kind of autopsy scenes in this movie. Yeah, and this is arguably the grossest one. <laughs> and also, it 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 lures you in to set up the other autopsies because nothing really happens. Like, yeah, we get some exposition, we see some cool effects of like a dead thing, but. Uh, I think it, it lures you into a sense of security for later on when horrible things do happen. Yeah, that's true. Cause yeah, they're like just, you know, they're right up close with it and he's digging his hands all up in it and they're not really concerned about what's, what's going to happen yet. And he has on the flimsiest gloves. Look <laughs> at those gloves. Yeah, we talked about that earlier with, when they're, when he's um, doing the autopsy on the double face thing that they're like him and copper both are, have just like blood all over their arms and stuff. Like they're like, even before they know that, like, you know, that it assimilates creatures and stuff like that, you'd think they'd be a little more careful. Like, yeah, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe Antarctic science is not prepared for, for something like <laughs> this. But, yeah, for God's sakes, he is wearing, like, these super thin gloves. And he's just, like, got his sleeves rolled up. Like, that's the extent that he's, <laughs> like, like, no face mask, no, like, no nothing. And there's blood everywhere. I love when he snaps the leg off of it because it, it just looks like he's getting ready to eat a giant crab leg. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's um, and that's a great kind of scene transition moment too, because that happens like right after you cut away from the in outside of the camp. So it's almost yeah. like that sound kind of makes that transition. <laughs> and I, I read somewhere, I think um, it's uh, Stuart Cohen, who's one of the producers on the movie, has has this incredible blog that he's been putting together for a couple of years. That's he like each post is like about a specific element of the movie that he's kind of talking about things that he remembers. And I, I thought it was really funny that um he talks about the first time they screen this movie for like the executives at uh, universal. Apparently when they do those kinds of screenings, at least back then when they did it, the director would have like the, a, a control in his seat for the volume so that I guess so they could turn it down if they wanted to talk about something It's probably uh -huh. what it was supposed to be used for. But uh, they said John Carpenter would continue to use it to scare the shit out of people by like turning <laughs> it. So he, they, he said this was one of the scenes when he turned it up really high right before he cracked the leg. So it scared the shit out of everybody in the audience. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I love John Carpenter. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. So yeah, we've talked a little bit about in past minutes that in most of these autopsy scenes, Wilford Brimley is very kind of calm and collected and like, uh, and, and, you know, the reason behind that, usually most uh, people say, I think John Carpenter says it in the commentary that, you know, he's in real life, Wilford Brimley was like a cowboy and, you know, he, he'd, you know, kill and skin animals like on his day off or whatever. So this was like, 
this all was kind of ridiculous and, you know, didn't really bother <laughs> him. But this scene, he's like really giving it his all to uh, to sell how gross this whole thing is. And it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get one of my favorite bits of Wilfred Brimley in this movie where he's, you know, he starts to pull the skin skin back and he does the whole like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the noises and the little the little expletives he has here as he removes all the skin is coupled with the juicy bubbling noises from the skin itself is you don't even have to be watching it to, to you would have a mental picture in your head of what is going on just by <laughs> hearing what's happening <laughs> i almost feel like you could if somebody had not seen this movie you could like uh, play them just the sound clip of this scene and they might think it was like a sex scene with Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind of what it sounds like. He's just all like moaning and like, yeah, there's these gross wet sounds. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, he's like really, really acting his ass off here. And, um, and you get uh, the, these kind of facial expressions you get of him too, especially right at the beginning. Before he cuts into it, he makes his face where he's just like, well, I guess I'm uh, digging into this thing. <laughs> he's, it's, yeah, he, he kind of looks at the scalpel and then he looks at the skin. He's like, all right, let's already. do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so clearly this was not something that uh, that Dr. Blair was uh, was briefed on when he, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't watched the part of the TV version where they uh, were some. Brooklyn guy explains what Blair does at the camp, but <laughs> I, I think he's some kind of biologist or something. Right. Uh, so, which in, in Antarctica, I can only assume he was only studying like penguins and like microscopic bacteria. So right. he's probably not prepared for something like this. Uh, so I guess it works for his character. I mentioned it in, in another minute, but this one is definitely the same sound effect. There's a guy uh, that works on the movie called John Post who did some of the foley for the movie and uh, for these autopsy scenes. And this one in particular, I think, is is probably made with this sound effect. The uh, the goopy skin peeling off and all that is made by it's paper towels dipped in eggs, like scrambled eggs. And that he's just kind of like, you know, slopping around in the bowl with the <laughs> eggs. So it's just like once you know it, it's like, yeah, that's perfect. Like that, that perfectly captures what this looks like. <laughs> Speaking of the TV version, this part of the TV version is almost 100% different. They don't show any of the actual body. You see Blair's reactions to it, but you don't see any of this actual stuff going on, of course. And it's weirdly very specific. There's some added lines that Blair has in the TV version that are not in this, where he's kind of explaining like that what they're seeing now is one creature, but if they hadn't caught it, it would have been three dogs instead of the one thing they see in front of them. And he talks all about like cell structure and stuff, which is really odd because it seems like they're trying to like explain stuff that, you know, got cut out. But instead, they just make it much more confusing. Like it's a bunch of lines that don't really help explain what's going on at all. Uh, so, you know, once again, the TV version being like a total, total blasphemy for what the movie actually is. <laughs> right. And and uh, because in the very next minute is when he fully explains what is going on with it so you you don't need more exposition before you get to the exposition dump yeah definitely not i'm going to hide this podcast when i'm finished if none of us make it at least there'll be some kind of record we have no way of reaching the listeners to tell them to support the show by using the donate button at thethingminute.com while we're stuck here in this storm if only they knew There's nothing else I can do. Just wait. Harper, out.
and then talking about special effects too, this is the him peeling that skin back. This is one of the kind of stranger ones I, I always think because you know later on when when they when we come back to the scene in the next minute, it's much more well defined as the thing that we saw the last time when they were actually fighting it. Like there's dog heads and and you know dog paws and claws and stuff like that. This is just like something totally alien. Like it's obviously like a whole different kind of creation that Robotine put together. And, mm-hmm. and maybe it is, you know, I didn't think about it until now, but maybe that this was something that Botine made before he saw what, what Stan Winston came up with. And maybe that's why they look so different. Yeah, you're right. That could, that could be the reason. But yeah, it's very weird. Like the, the skeletal thing or whatever it is that he pulls the skin off doesn't really look like anything else in the movie. It's, um, I don't even know what to really compare it to. It looks like kind of like bones, but like they've, they're, they're hard, but they've got kind of this like muscly look to them too. And it, it I, sort of a coral reef kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it's uh, kind of the the part here at the at the right. It's got this kind of bumpy green parts that are, I, I guess, around where the eye hole was. <laughs> I don't know, but it, that that part kind of looks kind of like coral. And then also the teeth part at the bottom looks yeah. a little, you know, like something from the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It looks kind of like one of those, like, uh, I don't know, is it like anglerfish or An whatever? anglerfish, yeah. Yeah, it does kind of have that look for sure. Yeah, it, it is kind of odd. It's just something that looks unlike anything else in the rest of the movie for sure. Though it is still twisted up like the like the double-faced yeah, that's thing true. from the Swedish camp. Yeah, it definitely has that same kind of like like muscles pulling apart kind of kind of look like – like you like like it's made a silly putty and it was just kind of stretched right. <laughs> and it almost looks like when he, the last bit he pulls off he almost looks like there's maybe like a little bit of a dog ear or something it's hard to tell yeah oh yeah you're right it does look like a dog ear like the thing that the skin kind of gets caught up on on the right side yeah i never really noticed that before but you that that you know you could maybe argue that's part of the part of the dog for sure yeah in the next minute we definitely see a little more of it as it as it looked before so this this seems like a, a good point uh, before we get to the to the end of the week to talk briefly about just kind of uh, you know you you mentioned a little bit about the first time you saw saw the thing and and that it's the movie that you showed to show to people which is awesome this is one of those ones you can definitely show to somebody yeah. who's uh, not a horror fan or somebody who's just getting into horror and like this this will convert them a hundred percent in in one direction or the other probably <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I know you're obviously a, a huge horror movie fan and stuff where, where does this kind of rank for you in, in john carpenter's movies oh well halloween is was like the the horror movie that really got me into horror movies because like when i you know a lot of people they have that story of like oh i saw the exorcist when i was like 3 and or something like that but i i don't really have a story like that because when i was a kid i watched like kid horror stuff like you know i read goosebumps books i watched are you afraid of the dark mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of thing. But then when I got into middle school, I was homesick from school one day and my mom saw that Halloween was on TV and she showed me Halloween and that really kicked things off for me with horror and John Carpenter too. So it, it it's tough for me to put this above Halloween, even though objectively it probably is a better movie. So, but it's it's. I would probably put this number two for Carpenter for me. And what are some of your other favorite uh, Carpenter movies? Escape from New York, of, yeah. of course, is awesome. Uh, not so much Escape from L.A. The Fog <laughs> is awesome. Uh, let's see. 
You know, I thought the ward was okay. The the last one he did, I still like, haven't six seen years that. Ago. It's it's not bad. I I thought. I mean, I saw it. You know, after years of hearing, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, but <laughs> I I really didn't mind it. Yeah, somebody had mentioned to me that, that that the movie's not as bad as people say because you can kind of tell that it's like John Carpenter just trying to like like he didn't really care whether he was making a masterpiece. He just wanted to make a movie, right? But also, they live is, yeah. is huge, and um, Assault on Precinct Thirteen is is one of those movies that a, a good movie, but not not something that you necessarily always think about. But it's definitely something that like that format, that siege format of the movie, is something that uh, has really inspired me and in other things that things that I've worked on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it was definitely a that movie had a pretty big impact when it came out too. That was really kind of what launched him into the forefront. Yeah. And then what do you, uh, you know, the, the other two movies that are ostensibly part of the Apocalypse trilogy for, with this. Uh, um, in the Mouth of Madness, yeah. And, and, and Prince of Darkness. Are, are yeah. you a fan of those? I actually haven't seen Prince of Darkness, really? I hate to say. Oh, but, man. Uh, We're going to have to get together seen... and watch that sometime. Oh, Prince of Darkness rules. Yeah, I'm in. But uh, I've seen In the Mouth of Madness, and, and I like that one quite a bit, too, because it, it's, it's so different from some of his other things. And it, it's very – it's kind of a Lovecraft – like yeah. Car- Carpenter by way of Lovecraft, and then also Sam Neill is is awesome in that of movie. Of course, <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> that movie's badass. You never hear anybody talk about really either of those those two movies get nearly as much attention as as this or Halloween or They Live do, and they don't really have that same kind of cult status for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, both those movies are excellent. Um, yeah, and in the mathematics is definitely it's not it's very unlike Carpenter, like you said. It's um, and it's got, but it's got some really, really cool, interesting elements like the like kind of time loop stuff and yeah, and just the way that the story's told too is very. Um, Carpenter doesn't do a whole lot of like flashback and like you know stories that have like a frame to them. I, I'm trying to think that might be the only one because that that movie starts with him in the in the the asylum, right? Right. Yeah. And he's like telling the story. Yeah. So it is pretty unlike his other stuff, but it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I wish Sam Neill was in more Carpenter stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty amazing. Cool. So I don't really have anything else specific for, for Minute 34. Is there anything else you wanted to, uh, to mention? No, no, I don't think so. Cool. All right. So I think that'll wrap us up for Minute 34. But uh, check out moviesbyminutes.com for a whole collection of other podcasts like this one. So if the thing isn't your favorite movie, your favorite movie probably already has its own show or is uh, in development. Um, I also wanted to mention this week that I, um, as you're listening to this podcast, I'm also on the DC Cinematic Minute podcast uh, for this week where they're talking about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. So I'm on minutes um, 11 through 15 that, that's on this week. So definitely check that out. You can go to tooldmedia.com to find that podcast, or obviously you can just search for it in iTunes. So obviously if you're looking to add another Movies by Minute podcast to your uh, weekly listen, then um, that might be a good place to start. And in the meantime, just make sure you come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minutes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com. 
and be sure to head over to StarWarsMinute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper, signing out.